Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. How do you sort out which 15,000 get the tickets down in Alabama? There's going to be a couple gunfights. SI's. Pat Forty at midnight out by the chimes. They're going to have guns. They're going to have showdown gunfights. <laughs> Pete Thamel. Mike Gundy just held a teleconference. He wants more positive stories, like the guy who recovered from the gunfight related to getting <laughs> in the stadium over COVID. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. Ah, uh, welcome to the pod. It is Monday afternoon, and we had exciting breaking NCA enforcement news. Just adding a little spice to our week. Think it's going to be a boring week? No. Louisville is here for us. University of Louisville has been uh, received its notice of allegations from the NCAA. You two gentlemen, I believe, sat through the teleconference. Unfortunately. From Louisville. They, Louisville probably presented its, uh, its side of the case. Let me ask you this. When you're on the teleconference, uh, when they had it on hold, did they at least play like strip club music? (laughs) (laughs) That's the last scandal, Dan. Not this scandal. This scandal, maybe they could play dollar bills, dollar, 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 dollar bills. Ah, all right. Okay. No free food from Porcini's, the famous restaurant. Yeah. That's the other scandal. That's the scandal before the last scandal. Sorry. Ah, I'm sorry. Sorry. I can't keep track of my Louisville Ah. scandals. (laughs) There There are many. There are many. I mean, this was just for paying a player. It's kind of boring when you think about it. Like, <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. As a third party paying a player or paying a parent. Uh, yeah, I like it. They were like, I, I, what I have seen from their defense, and we'll get into the whole case, was, but we fired everyone this time. <laughs> Thanks, Louisville. That's good. Louisville well, basketball. When, when, when do you think Louisville basketball has ever been truly in compliance of the rules? Before Danny Crosson? Maybe. Maybe not, <laughs> but here that's it's a great question because you bring that up. They said on the teleconference that uh, they are hiring Mike Glazier, which is a flashback to the mid nineties when yeah. they hired Mike Glazier to clean up one of the multiple violations they had going on. They had two different scandals in the nineties as well, and now two in the two thousand teens. So every twenty years, Louisville doesn't just scandal; they double scandal. Man, Bond, Shonick, and King, that law firm, ought to uh, have a wing of its office dedicated to the Cardinal. The Yum Center, they can call it. Uh, it's done, t- done wonders for him. All right. Uh, Pat, what, you are in Louisville. What uh, Describe the accusations here against these, uh, these poor, innocent Cardinals. 
what are they accused of doing this time and how much trouble are they are they potentially in if the big mean NCA actually uh, is correct that they may have uh, strayed from the rule book that I know is so <laughs> important to the to the U- University of Louisville. Yes. Well, yeah. And boy, we got a whole we got a lot of preamble today on that teleconference about all of the compliance advances. Unparalleled commitments. Unparalleled. Really? That's right. Unparalleled. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I, no I, I broke the school. world record for eye rolls amid a 35 minute teleconference <laughs> listening to all their unparalleled nonsense. <laughs> yep. Above and far above and beyond what any other school is doing. <laughs> which may be the case, but they sure as heck weren't above and beyond leading up to this, which is why we had the teleconference. So here are the charges. And quite frankly, I thought the charging document was going to be worse. They got one level one allegation, which is against the program in general, basically, that uh, via Adidas and with the assistance of two bas- two assistant basketball coaches, they had a $100,000 deal for Brian Bowen. And they paid anywhere from eleven thousand eight hundred to thirteen thousand five hundred in impermissible inducements to Brad Augustine, who was a AAU coach from Florida. And boy, did he just kind of somehow manage to disappear off federal radar after appearing in that first indictment. And he was the guy that coached Balsa Caprivica, who also escaped any sanction and actually played this last year for Florida State, somewhat amazingly. Um, So there's a charge, yes, that they were paying via Adidas and via their own pockets for Bowen and to Brad Augustine. That's the level one allegation. Uh, There are three level two allegations. Uh, Those are that that the same two assistant coaches were involved in various shenanigans, impermissible shenanigans in various recruiting activities uh, and involvement with uh, Christian Dawkins. Of course, we've talked about many times on the podcast. Then there is the level two allegation against Rick Pitino. And this is where I was surprised. Rick Pitino, one level two allegation. I thought he was getting at least a level one, if not multiple level ones. Uh, As it is, that doesn't mean he's getting off scot-free by any means, but he might get off a little easier than some had predicted. Uh, And that that, that is that he... Uh, did not promote an atmosphere of compliance. They failed to monitor his staff or, or whatever the, the verbiage is there. And uh, that, that seems abundantly clear. And good luck fighting that one. I laughed at uh, a phrasing of yours. And I'm not going to repeat it. But if you want to look back, it does take on some interesting. What did I say? <laughs> that doesn't matter. We'll okay. let the podcasters I, listen back. I missed it. But Dan was definitely laughing like a sophomore in high school when somebody <laughs> farted in the back of geometry Let's class. Let's just say that if you know Coach Patino's history, Oh, uh, that was funny. Anyway, okay. uh, <laughs> go, Bob. go on. Okay. <laughs> and then the, the fourth allegation, the third level two, uh, is that the institution violated the instrument by principle of rules compliance when it failed to adequately monitor the men's basketball recruitment of Brian Bowen. And that specifically, this is it gets to the point of that the program has done a lousy job following the rules. And that's where we get into the potential for aggravating factors that could get uh, messy. So there's a, there's a lot of, there's, a, there's fewer allegations overall than I thought, fewer level one allegations, but it could still be a very, very significant case. I've lived through enough of those dreadfully boring, jargon-filled teleconferences like we were on today to break down in like minutiae detail, like all the 
options and complex case, you know, that stuff, but really nobody cares, right? Whenever these things happen, like my phone rang, uh, as the teleconference was going on, I clicked off it, and it was a prominent person in college athletics, and they summed up the one question everyone really cares. How bad is it going to be? How are they going to get punished? What's going to happen, right? Once we cut through all of the Bond, Shenick, and King legal fees and all the BS and all the Louisville president trumpeting unparalleled blah, 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 like people want to know how bad it's going to be. So this is my read of how bad it's going to be. I use the disclaimer. I really have no idea because anyone who predicts they know what the NCAA is going to do is lying because the NCAA kind of makes it up as they go along. And we've seen this all the time. So this is my interpretation from looking at the notice and reading the notice of what will happen to Louisville and Patino. I think Louisville gets at least a one-year postseason ban just from looking at the severity. There are six potential aggregating factors to the institution. That's a lot of aggregating factors. And, and then I went to like the matrix where you can look it up and it, it, it seems like I would expect a one-year ban, and if they hammer them, they get a two-year ban. But by the time they rule on this thing, basically in a calendar year, like the NCAA just plays four corners, so nobody even remembers why anyone anyone's being charged anymore. So that's my expectation. I'd be curious to hear what you think on that, Pat. And then I think Patino ends up getting a suspension of about a third of a season. But it won't be the season coming up because uh, – you know, that it, it, it just takes too long. These processes have basically become, what's the best way to phrase this? They, they are so slow that they're completely ineffective. And I just really feel like everyone feels like they can just delay, 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 and then eventually things get softened and massaged and, and lawyered up. So those are my two reads on what I think people are going to care about the takeaways are from this. And uh, I'd be curious, Pat, if you agree with those or think they may be more or less. Um, no, I think that's probably we're in the similar ballpark. You know, I think they, I think there's a real chance they get a two year postseason. I think there's a chance that Patino gets a half season, but that's, that's maximum. I would say. And to me, that's what I wrote about. To me, this is going to be the, one of the most interesting NCAA cases in a long time because you've got a flagrant repeat violator in Louisville. I mean, so agreeing to a $100,000 buy while you are being hammered for the last scandal is pretty flagrant. But they also literally got rid of everyone in a leadership position. They even threw out the whole dang board of, of uh, trustees, in addition to the president, in addition to the AD, in addition to the head coach, who was a Hall of Fame coach. And they threw out Patino and Jurich within like 24 hours. Now, as I believe Mr. Wetzel brought up, they didn't do anything after the first scandal. They want credit for reacting after the second scandal. But when you look around and you see Bill Self is still rolling at Kansas. Sean Miller is still rolling at Arizona. Will Wade is still rolling at LSU. Bruce Pearl is still rolling at Auburn. Well, at least they did something. So if you're the NCAA, that, I just am going to be really interested to see what they decide to do. Do they get credit for a house cleaning or do they get crushed for being a repeat violator? I don't know. But I, I tend to think the penalties are going to be pretty significant. They, they only got rid of the guys because it was such a close repeat, though. So the other guys are all in their mm -hmm. first first violation. Not Bruce Pearl. Uh, but yeah, but he had like a I mean, the, the equivalent of hosting the barbecue and lying about it at Tennessee is that's a Tennessee, not at Auburn. And that's right. That's pretty low on this. OK, they had. Yes, they had. Uh, 
you know, recruit over to the house. Yeah, it was the lying I, I, about it that got him. He lying. But all right, what is this? What is Louisville's position on Brian Bowen Sr. saying that Kenny Johnson met him at a gas station for a meeting, then met him again in front of the apartment complex Galt House Hotel, where a cop on disability is living, okay? And handing him $1,300 in cash in a car. Are they denying that? Or are they saying that Brian Bowen Sr. lied under oath at the federal trial? We don't know yet. We won't know for somewhere in the neighborhood of 90 days when they file their response. They said they they weren't going to go into specifics. They said they would fight things that they thought were factually inaccurate or that they were not guilty of. We don't know which those are, you know, whether it's that or anything else that uh, that was brought up. They said they will admit guilt when the, where they believe they were guilty and they will fight where they believe they should fight. And, hey, as we have seen from North Carolina and from previous people who have been involved in this particular scandal, NC State, Kansas, the, the new modus operandi is fight, 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 deny, deny, deny. So I, I would expect Louisville to take that approach, especially since they went along the last time and got smacked harder than they thought they were going to get after they went along. The playbook now is deny everything and get your local state-run media whatever faction of it to rally the fans and just, just go hardcore base. Yep. And so I'm guessing that because to me, that, Is that how you become president. Well, it, it's one way <laughs> it works in politics. It works in a lot of things, but that's pretty much it. Get your fit, get your, get your, whatever, you know, whatever website you got, that'll just, just repeat whatever. Yep. Because to me, this all boils down to the, the Kenny Johnson, Brian Bowen senior meeting in the car, because this is nine weeks, nine weeks after they get hit with 123 vacated victories and a stripping of the national championship and a five game probate uh, suspension for Patino and four years of probation. Nine weeks later, the associate head coach who is there for, for the first, those five games, the acting head coach climbs into a car in an absolutely nutcase meeting with the recruit's dad and hands him cash. Now, you could say that Brian Bowen Sr. was lying under oath and was risking going to prison for this story. Or you could say, man, this story sounds kind of believable because it's it doesn't even make it's it's so it's so detailed and I mean it's just so much there. And, and it doesn't even, it's not even how you would construct a payout, right? And the meeting at the get, if, if you believe the associate head coach, I don't know how you get away with this thing, but I'm, I'm intrigued at how they would explain this away because I think they'll have to. And I understand that some fans, I understand what fans are about, not even bagging on you for it. You're going to defend it and say, no, didn't happen. Kenny would never, we would never hear at Louisville. And so I, it's going to be interesting to see how they do this, but it's, you can fight, but how much can you fight? And you can win over your local Hardcore fans, no question. They're easy. Everyone it, else, it, it, not so much. I believe Kenny Johnson is still employed right now at LaSalle, uh, is he not? Sure. Yeah, they, they hired him and they refused to even address the, anything that happened at Louisville. Like, they not even answer any questions about their uh, their feelings about that. They may, they may actually have to break down and say, yeah, we have to respond now that he has been charged by the NCAA. We'll see if LaSalle can do that. You know, everything else is, did Patino, I don't know. You know, did Patino know? TJ Gasnola testified that he did not tell Patino about the deal. That very well, that actually strikes as true to me. 
but I also had Rick Patino sitting there having a five-star recruit fall into his lap in the middle of June and just going, oh, who knew? What a lucky thing. I guess he just, just decided at the last minute that he loved the cards. It's a shame this pandemic got in the way because we had a great entrepreneurial idea where we could do like a Louisville tour of all the places that have come up in the last three Louisville scandals. <laughs> we could go to the Galt House. We could go to the gas station where they met and dropped the money off. You can Minority. eat at Porcini's. You could find a, a house of ill repute where maybe some of the some of the strippers are still working now. And like, you know, we can visit Katina Powell in jail. I think yeah, she's back in jail. And, 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 I mean, there's there's six, seven stops like right mm -hmm. on this tour. We could get a bus. We could ditch this podcast and make money just sit back and count it you remember kentucky fans would go on that tour you get <laughs> all of you them. get a bourbon partnership and you're in <laughs> minority hall can we get in yes. there yes oh, we could we could we could map this thing out in no time we could run it run it from afar i mean i i i think i think we're really onto something here so they don't do the death penalty anymore really but this would conceivably, under the old rules, be a death penalty case. I don't suspect that. So you guys think it'll be relatively light if if they uh, get away I with mean, them. If a two-year postseason ban's relatively light, it's uh, uh, two years would be know. bad. One, yeah. yeah. How many two years have there been, like in the last decade, off the top of your head? <sighs> Not I, many. Uh, I, what it, Miami football? They did they self-impose and then get another year? Was that what happened with them after That's Nevin? A, after the Nevin Shapiro? Yeah, yeah. after the after right, the NCAA the, screwed it up, so they didn't end up doing much, right? They've they've self-imposed postseason bans the last decade with the coaching hires they've made. So <laughs> <laughs> it's all Nevin's fault, though. It's yeah. all Nevin's fault. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, we can't go to the Meineke Bowl this year. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the I, thing is, a lot of people thought like, Ole Miss would be two, but Ole Miss was only one. Or maybe they self-imposed and got one. That that's that's exactly what happened with Ole Miss. Ole Miss self-imposed okay. one and again then got one. Yeah, that's been the 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 way most of these recent ones have gone. One of the things now uh, the, on the teleconference, they were asked. Uh, Louisville leadership was asked if they would self-impose a postseason ban, and the president herself cut off the AD to say, "No, we are not post self-imposing." So yeah, again, but if they're like. Six and ten in the ACC this year. That's when they'll come in and self-impose it, which is another farce that they'd be able to do that. So. Sure. Yeah. Right. She would then answer, "Yes, we stink." <laughs> now, Louisville's pretty good now, though. That's a problem. Like, what would they have been a two seed this year in the tournament? Uh, probably three. Probably three. three. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, that's one of the reasons they yeah. they were very happy to get this season in under the wire. Of course, nobody got the season in under the wire because the season ended, but. Yeah, that was their thinking all along, as was Arizona's and some other teams. You know, is that, hey, we'll, we'll at least have 2019-20 uh, before we have to come to Jesus, including the overall number one seed as they would have been Kansas. So one of the most ridiculous things about how NCAA legislation works and, and how everything works is there will be, before Louisville gets punished in this because there'll be appeals and all that nonsense, there will be four full seasons played out. Four full seasons played out. Which means like the incoming recruits were incoming high school students when all this happened. And look, I, I'm not saying Louisville shouldn't be punished. I'm not saying it's fair or not fair. But I don't think 
it's defensible in any way that four full seasons will have gone on before any punishment. Now, I understand because of the federal process how it took longer than usual. But what we're what we've seen now in the recruiting trail and what we've seen everywhere is that nobody thinks NCA is going to do anything. It's, people don't care that NCA rules are, are violated. Recruits don't care. Schools don't care. Presidents don't care. I thought the most interesting part of today was maybe this is a window into how scary things are for Kansas in the future, because Kansas has three level by three level one violations they're staring at right now. So maybe Kansas becomes the new litmus for if like two year postseason ban is the new death penalty, per se. You know, what's Kansas staring at if they have three level one violations uh, looking at them in the eye right now? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, that's, you know, we're, we're sitting there, we're kind of watching. And then after this, we'll see there's still there's an Alabama to come. There's a Arizona to come. There's an LSU to come, at least theoretically, th- those things should be happening. And uh, we'll see what uh, what comes out of those. You know, the thing here's the thing. The other thing that cracks me up about this was the Iona athletic director when he was asked when they hired Patino, you know, did did you did you check out what his NCAA situation is going to be? Absolutely. We checked that very thoroughly. <laughs> we, we we don't expect anything to happen. I wonder, would like to know what he says now and, and what constituted checking thoroughly, because I have a pretty good idea. It wasn't very thorough. Oh, they asked Patino. Yeah, yeah, there you yeah. go. Yeah. Aspetino's lawyer. lawyer, too. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, but even if you're Iona and he sits for half a year, who cares? Yeah. Uh, it's a deal I'm taking. Yeah. Unless they, no. I mean, you didn't know who the coach was for half a year anyway. <laughs> it's true. No one's paying attention to the Giants and the Jets lose. And even then, <laughs> yeah, I take that. I don't care. I, I Honestly, I think Iona did the right thing. They're just basically like, we don't care what Patino did before because Patino's a hell of a coach. Uh, some of these guys that get caught, aren't good coaches. They just assemble talent. They just buy talent and they're like a half-ass coach. And Petito is not that he's a great coach. So they got, they got a, they got a guy on the, on the bargain on the cheap. And if you're Iona or you're an Iota fan, who cares? Whatever. One of the best lines that summed up like where we are with the NCA and rules and all that. And in the last couple of years came from uh, an agent I was talking to who Basically, it was a, it was a, we were talking on the phone. It was a Saturday. It was two years ago. Auburn was about to host Kentucky in basketball, and it was going to be on College Game Day. And that arena was just jammed at Auburn, and it was you know the biggest day they've had in years. And he said, "You know what? Auburn got exactly what they wanted. They wanted a guy who was going to come in and win huge, and then cheat and get in trouble. And that's okay. Like they they embraced it all, and he applauded their genius for it. It's hard to argue, right? If you get Four years of winning that Pearl's brought him. He got him to the final four. He's done all that. That's that's how decisions are being made right now. In these, you know, let's you know, let's let's binge and then we can worry about the purge later. But let's just binge, win, get all the attention, get all the fans, get all the money, and then we can worry about the fallout some other time. But a lot of this is rooted in the fact that about ten years ago, people just stopped having any confidence that the NCA could investigate and adjudicate these cases, and you could bounce back from probation quickly. Right. Like you can get absolutely decimated and all of a sudden, boom, you're back. That's what they found out. They used to get so scared, like, well, if they hit us with probation, our our program's done. Oh, it's not like Alabama football has been hit a million times. Done, you know, not under, you know, but it doesn't matter. You go, you get Nick Saban, boom, you're back. Build it up and you actually build the money and the fame and the the brand. And then you get hit and you come back. And so you're better off that than 
Look at I, I went to UMass, as we know, on this podcast, and they got went to one final four and they got in trouble and they ain't done anything since. Like I, you know, I, I they probably haven't had 5,000 people at a game in 10 years. It's like, I don't know if they're following the rules. I tend to think probably no one is, but if they were, what'd that get you? Well, I attended a game at the Mullen Center this year, Dan. Your lack of donations were very apparent in how drab it looked in there. There I you go. Just say that. <laughs> I mean, what what do you get if you follow the rules? If you're a school like that, that can't really win without, you can't really win anywhere, but you know, maybe you can at certain places where there's a ton of talent around. Okay, maybe you can at Michigan with John Beeline or something like that. You can do pretty well and follow the rules about as close as you can follow them. But at a school like that, you ain't going to win. So what'd you get? You got nothing. Two decades of nothing. But good job. You never hire. I'd rather spend my money on Bon Sean and King and point guards. <laughs> <laughs> my there alma mater would know something because they basically started Bon Shanigan King. But I think Bon yeah. King actually started in the city of Syracuse. If I'm not right, if I'm if I'm wrong about that, before they went out to to Kansas, when and that, it was when whole, Mike Slive was with them. Yeah, Slive was one that, of the founding partners, was he not? Yeah, that I whole believe. cottage industry. Think about that. That the the hundreds of millions of dollars that have been spent on that whole cottage industry since the since the 80s and think of the careers it launched. Think of how it reshaped it all beating NCAA rules. I mean, there is literally the incentive to beat and figure out ways to beat NCAA rules are, are, are one of the least spoken about and most important things shaping the landscape of college sports the last few decades. And think about this. How many times has Bayheim been hit? No, you, you break the rules, you get caught and then you find a way to beat the rap. You know, yeah. exactly. Yeah. No, that's or why you go, get. don't punish the kids that weren't here. Well, that's the way but, it works. No one's ever there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It takes oh. four years to do the case. The whole school's through. Nobody <laughs> was here. Bayheim has been hit how many times? I mean, it's been under suspicion. Two postseason bans. Two postseason bans. matter. I think, I want to say three probations. I could be wrong on that. Roll oh. out the ball, baby. We got it. We got the dome. We got the brand. Yeah. We'll get some new guys. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, that's... or you can follow the rules, I guess. And I'm not even saying anyone's following the rules and you can be like, yeah, we're irrelevant. So you're saying my alma mater has mastered cheating much better than your alma mater, Dan. Absolutely. We're not even Certainly trying. better than my alma mater. My alma mater gets hammered. We don't, we or don't else get our cheating, our cheating yeah. sucks. We, we laugh at your little <laughs> academic scandal, Pat. You've got it all wrong. If you're going to yeah. cheat, cheat for good players. <laughs> Although, uh, well, Syracuse cheated by just ignoring drug tests, too. Uh, they, they already got the good players, and then they would smoke weed, and then they would pretend they didn't smoke weed. That's eh, only uh, weed. They were ahead of the like, game on like that. It's like paying players. That's going to be legal. Just, Weed's legal in a lot of places. <laughs> it's the same. Don't have a test, then. Don't have a <laughs> test. If you got a test, I'm sorry. Don't test. But... Now the one of the, look the, the the thing that points out the ways to beat the cycle. Mike Glazier was an NCAA investigator at one point. A lot of these guys that are they they, they did that and then they're like, now I can make more money over here, getting these schools out of trouble for breaking the rules. So that's what they go and do. So it's you know it's quite a cycle. Once all the litigation from all this ends, it would be fascinating to tally up from the public universities how much were spent. In law firm represent now, the the number is even bigger because someone like Sean Miller, for example, is going to pay a ton in legal fees that the school, I'm assuming, will not pick up. So between personal legal expenses and then school and program legal expenses, I would set the over under at 
15 million. I, I, I couldn't even make an intelligent guess. So that sounds about right to me. I mean, I just know there's a lot of people heavily, heavily invested in legal defense. At this uh, point. I mean, you're three years in right now. Yeah. Like, and these schools are easy targets, man. Bill oh, of hours. Like, so this is the SEC basketball tournament presented to you by billing hours. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> maybe maybe that's how like Missouri got Missouri got in there. They need to get closer to Bon Shenick and King. So they wanted to a butt. Bon Shenick and King's on the wrong side of the Kansas Missouri border. No, I know, I know. They had to get closer. That's all. That's uh, all anyway, right. They, they could scoop them in. Let's get to a little football. Uh, Arkansas AD said uh, this is according to Susan L. Curry of KARC4 News. The Arkansas Athletic Director says it is planning on starting Razorback football on September 5th. Yes, sir. With practice starting in mid-July. They stress everything they've looked at from disinfecting the stadium Ensuring social distance with fans, having employees wear PPE, personal protective, uh, whatever that is, gear, E, what's the E? Equipment. Equipment. Uh, He added they have time to make these decisions. So Arkansas says it's all in. Obviously, they have no idea, but they're saying it. I thought this was interesting. The Miami Dolphins released their plan on how to have fans in the stadium if they can play football. And they were pretty reasonable in their bit. Now they feed, they they seat sixty five thousand at Hard Rock Stadium. They acknowledge they might be down to fifteen thousand for fans if they do this. So the the idea of this, we're going to play football and a hundred thousand are showing up at the Horseshoe or Tuscaloosa or wherever. Uh, we all think it's a little far fetched, but we'll see. 15,000 in a 65,000 seat stadium. They have said a few different things. You enter the stadium at an appointed time. You know, you know when to get in and out. So there's not a big crowd at the, at the gates. Uh, You have to come in with distancing. You'd have to spread out in the stadium. Fans will all be forced to wear masks. If you would order food and then be told when to go pick it up. So there's no line at concessions. And then they would clean and there'd be all these different things. So I know your thoughts on that, but can you imagine trying to have a game, you know, at any of these big stadiums with 15, 20,000 fans? And would that be worth doing for some of these schools? Uh, You know, I mean, I think that, uh, sure, I think any fans beat no fans from a revenue standpoint if you're the school. And if you can get get 15,000 in, you'll take it if if the alternative is nobody. Uh, you know, there's, you mentioned some of the logistical challenges and like some of the added cost of how you're going to set up a digital ordering and pickup service or whatever for food, that sort of thing. Uh, there's a lot of complications they're going to have to fight through, but here's the, you know, I, we are bombarded with so much information and a lot of it is conflicting. But the New York Times today had a leaked CDC slash FEMA thing from the Trump administration projecting about 3,000 daily deaths by early June and up to 200,000 new cases a day by the end of May. I mean, if that's the case, that's if that's the new normal, if that's what the CDC and FEMA and the Trump administration are expecting, 
We ain't playing. I, I agree with that. That White House one that got leaked out is is particularly because we're even our worst days are about twenty five hundred now dead, and that's with New York and New Jersey area, and um, even where I live in Detroit, kind of settling, which means the rest of the country's uh, gonna gonna spike. I don't know. I don't. I don't know how that works. But then I can also read something where it says sunlight kills it. So I don't know. But obviously that's the White House's projection. Uh, I don't see how you can project that and then also say we're going to have a hundred thousand people at the LSU football stadium. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, right. Those uh, two things do not go together. No, I don't even know how you get fifteen thousand into the into the Dolphins. But at least the Dolphins' plan to me was like, okay, this is a plan. Not hope we can fill the stadium. Like that's that's not a that's not a plan. Hope's not a plan. Uh, and I get people don't want to reveal their plan, but well, I saw the Arkansas thing online, and my first thought was like, let's keep the economy rolling and spirits high, no matter what the reality is. So I have no idea what Hunter Yurichek is actually thinking, but I think it's like that was to me code for send in your season ticket money. We'll figure it out later. Like I just can't think anyone at this point is going to be that that reckless. I was uh, texting with a coach the other day uh, about something where, you know, it's the same conversation we're all having all the time. When's the season going to start? And I happened to have uh, CNN on, you know, on, on mute in my condo. And I looked up and the headline, you know, they put the headline under underneath it. It says more states loosen restrictions as death toll rises. I was like, that pretty much sums up where we are right now. <laughs> death, death tolls are rising. People are loosening things up. That is not going to go well for what we now know of this virus, right? Like, I just don't think that's really going to go well. So again, I hope sunlight kills it. I hope that, you know, the, some of these treatments and vaccinations are now starting to, you know, starting to push forward. I think there's a ton more optimism in those spaces maybe than we had it than we had three weeks ago or a month ago. So I, I'm certainly rooting like hell. As as we know, our, our listeners know the conspiracy theory where the three of us actually don't want college football. So I, I'd like to remind people that we actually we actually would prefer games or uh, games are played. So if not, we're just going to start reading notices of allegations beginning to end on our podcast. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I just think some of that is like playing to your base, right? Like we were talking about earlier, the political thing. Hey, let's go in and rally the hogs and get them moving and get them sending in their money and we can delay it later. How do you sort out which 15,000 get the tickets? Hey, that's mm. the only question, right? Yeah. You know, down that, in yeah, Alabama, yeah. there's going to be a couple gunfights over. I mean, <laughs> is that a COVID related death? If two guys got to resort to the barrel <laughs> to settle on who gets the, gets the Iron Bowl ticket? On Fox News, they would say no. On CNN, they would say yes. Put that down, yeah. Put that down as a COVID death. Right. I don't know. I mean, this is going to get ugly, man. Yeah. <laughs> it, at midnight out by the chimes, they're going to have gunfights. They're going to have showdown gunfights, shootouts. Hell yeah. Mike Gundy Dwalk just held a teleconference. Bases. He wants more positive stories, like the guy who recovered from the gunfight related to getting in the stadium over COVID. Shows the and if you're watching uh, One News America or whatever that whatever that channel is that Mike likes to watch. They're going to cover that there because yeah. they only cover straight news. No right, no left. That's right. No right, no left. That's right. No, that's the, wow. I mean, like, I don't know about how the NFL works, but in college where you have the highest tier of, of boosters, like the Bull Gators and guys like that at Florida, they're getting in, I'm pretty sure. And then how they you decide have- who gets in when you go down the strata amongst your donors and amongst real, you know, quote unquote, real fans, college students, you're going to let them in or not. Uh, but I would think the people that have kept up their donations have a great chance of being the ones that get in. It's going to be some Hunger Games stuff if it comes down to that. Never if waste there's a no good students scandal. on campus, 
<laughs> it would actually mean more money because there's some students on campus. You got to let a few of them in, right? Like it would be bad. Got to keep up appearances. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, at the final, gone, like at the final four, where they stick like 300 students behind one yes. basket and tell them to jump around a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's like the fans at the Super Bowl halftime show. They get they can oh, run God. out. And, the worst. Then the then worst. they're thrown out of the stadium. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know, man. That's going to get that. That'd be interesting. I yep. mean, that that would be interesting. We are delayed on our our obligation to discuss the last dance. Mm. Episodes five and six were this week. Really had nothing to do with college basketball. Uh, I did not think I thought these were a little weaker of the episodes so far, but the uh, first four were really good. So still pretty interesting. I had two points that I wanted to make. One was uh, the continued bashing of Jerry Krause uh, <laughs> is just getting to be a little much he's passed away he's not here to defend himself and included right. in the bashing this week was that he drafted tony kukoc with the in the second round <laughs> like they're still bashing him for being an idiot and all this stuff like he got tony kukoc in the second round this is why he was so good like they, they needed kukoc he helped win those last three titles sure and it's like oh, all right one, that didn't do me much. Two was our guy, Sonny Vaccaro, was just completely whitewashed out of the Nike signs. Michael Jordan, Sonny Vaccaro was instrumental in the entire concept of a signature shoe. At the time, Converse had all the shoe deals. They put them all together. That's in the movie. Sonny Vaccaro was instrumental in this. Gambled his job on the hiring of uh, on, on signing Michael Jordan, who is not the number one pick, was not the most famous player in the NBA. Not don't don't build a shoe line around an established star. Let's take an unproven number three draft pick out of North Carolina. Why? Because he's the best at seeing who would become a huge product guy. And it was a brilliant move. Sonny Vaccaro also invented the idea of paying coaches to make their kids wear shoes at colleges, which transformed the whole thing. Sonny Vaccaro got, ended up getting a feud with Nike, went to Adidas, signed Kobe Bryant, almost signed LeBron James, drove up the price on LeBron. Nike hates him. Not surprisingly, other than a picture of the back of him at this meeting, it's all said there is no Sonny Vaccaro, and somehow uh, this happened. I, I couldn't stand that. I think Sonny should be in the Hall of Fame for his contributions to basketball and all of that. Those are my two big takeaways uh, of the show. What uh, do you think, Pete? I think we started to to see Jordan sort of myth-making a little bit more in these two episodes maybe than, than the others. I was most riveted by the uh, unsavory characters that he was like gambling with and dealing with. The guy who like went golfing with him once and shared a cab with him and then wrote a book about it, which is just kind of hilarious. Like, I wanted to see more of that. Like, to me, that was a little bit of the, the meat of it. And I felt like those parts were included so they so that the documentarians were not criticized for not including them. Like, it was just a very, like, oh, and this happened and he got criticized. Oh, and this happened and he got criticized. Uh, when I worked at the uh, New York Times, that Dave Anderson scoop that Jordan was in the casino in Atlantic City the night before that playoff game was like a big deal. It's kind of one of those stories that got told and retold around the uh, around around the newsroom. And uh, I, I just really felt like that was interesting. And it, it was told through the prism of poor Michael Jordan has to go talk to the media every day. And they're asking these hard questions and he can't even walk out of his hotel room as opposed to being like, all right, this dude is in the thicket of it with some real guys, you know, some real gangsters, some real criminals. Like he was associating with people who I think were, were interesting. So I would have liked a little more 
a little more juice out of MJ's dark side. Slim Buller, uh, Buller, I, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Uh, the criminal case there that, that Jordan got pulled into because he had a $50,000 check from Jordan, which was uh, for gambling losses. Now, you know, I, I, uh, the, the, the Sonny Vaccaro disappearance was, that was almost like Stalin era Soviet. We're just going to rewrite history and excise this guy from it completely. That was strange to me. That jumped out because he was so integral to making that vehicle possible for Jordan and then absolutely transforming the entire shoe basketball industry. Uh, that and, and the thing that I really liked about the episode that I found super interesting was the Monte Carlo scrimmage game where Jordan and Magic went at each other uh, verbally and on the court. And I mean, that 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 probably was some of the best basketball that's ever been played when that dream team practiced against each other. If you think about the players involved, not and probably. Yeah, right. that's it. Yeah, it's it. It's it's the 12 best basketball players in the world, including several of the 10 best, at least three of the 10 best of all time. And they were so competitive that they weren't just going through the motions. They were going at each other. That was really cool. And having the, the video and audio from that, I, uh, I love that part of it. And I was there in 92 in Barcelona. I was mostly covering swimming, but I went to the Dream Team press conference before they started playing. And that's where it really hit you is like, Holy cow, these guys are a big deal because everybody from the world is there cramming into this big auditorium to interview them. And I do remember some guy from Denmark, Charles, test Charles Barkley. Charles, what do you think of my hat? Charles, it's ugly. Charles, what do you think? What do you know about Angola, which is the first round opponent? Charles, Angola in trouble. I mean, it is like <laughs> Barkley became the comic star, but everybody was so transfixed by those guys. And going to the game, I remember when, which game, whichever game it was, I covered one of them. And the other the players from the other team immediately, hey, can I get a picture with you? Can I get an autograph? The, team, the teams they were beating the hell out of, they couldn't wait to get autographs from them. So I enjoyed that part of it. The whole, the dream team segment was really cool to me. They, uh, they still attract that, that crowd. I mean, they are, it, yeah. is, it is monstrous even... Even then, it really was. Uh, that part was uh, was extremely cool. I also I also want to point out that after big victories, Michael Jordan turned to a cigar and a Miller Light was a Miller Light. <laughs> you know what? Miller, a clear sign that that was the mid nineties before there was much good beer out there. Dan uh, Wetzel, uh, uh, do not question his airness. <laughs> I'm questioning. You want to be like Mike? You don't drink Gatorade. <laughs> the man was knocking back Miller Lights, just like Rodman. Yeah, That's uh, right. Macro beer for the win. <laughs> Two things that I want more of from this documentary. One is we have, there's nothing mentioned about Jordan's family. Like after he wins the title, they were like, do you want to call your wife? And they hand him a phone. That's like the first time. To my knowledge, his wife and then there was like one passing reference to his kid in an early episode. But the family seems like completely out of this, which I think is really interesting because what kind of thorough documentary doesn't include, again, immediate family? Obviously, his parents are in it uh, a, a decent amount. But like that to me is a weird omission, like like a dark omission, which brings me to the second thing I want. And I wonder if they're tied together. Jordan was notorious for going out, not just that one trip to Atlantic City. He was closing bars. He was he was on the road. He would have never survived in this area of social media. And we get none of like I slept five hours, hung over and went in a noon game in Sacramento and beat the snow. There's none of that like 
balancing his demons and the, the yin and yang of, 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 of the nightlife. And I feel like that is part of the, the lore of Jordan when you talk to the people who played with him, played against him, played in that era of the NBA, is he was he was out at last call now. That competitiveness went went to that. And you know, you see it a little bit when he has a Miller Light and God he smoked a lot of cigars. Like that's a lot of cigar smoking for like an elite athlete. This, and how many elite athletes smoke cigars right now? No, like, like straight uh, weed. Straight weed. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, so I, I just think I just think those are two intriguing omissions that that speak to the uh, the Ken Burns observation that you know this is this is definitely Jordan's story. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I thought the, the even the the Atlantic City trip. Now that was originally reported that he was seen in the casino at two thirty in the morning at least, and then he and his dad took the limo back from Atlantic City, which is like two hours. Yeah. to Manhattan. Uh, this is not across the river. He's acting like, then his explanation is like, you know, he went across the, went over to Hoboken and he's like, we, we, we were home by midnight. That was his explanation. It's, it's like, well, that doesn't jive. I actually think it, this is my thing with the, the stuff that's supposedly negative. I actually think it makes him more awesome. Now, this is my yeah. corrupt, uh, you know, sensibilities of, 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 of dirt degenerate uh, you know, loving the degenerates, but like the idea that he could stay out all night smoking cigars and playing poker and then come back and drop 50 on the Knicks, like awesome. Okay. The fact that you were gambling and playing car playing cards and playing golf with a bunch of absolute crooks. I don't think he was <laughs> shaving points. Of course not. No. I don't think he got thrown out of the league for point shade or cause he was gambling too much. This guy was worth gazillion dollars. There's no way in hell that the NBA is throwing him out of the league. Okay, so to go play baseball. All right, so so this story came out. Uh, Jeremy Roenick, the uh, NHL great, and uh, he was uh, on the Blackhawks on the McNeil Parkins show, uh, which is in Chicago, told this story about playing golf with Jordan back in 92. He said, uh, Roenick said a 36-hole a day paired with a bunch of beers were nothing to keep MJ from dominating that evening. Meet me at Sunrise, Sunset Ridge early. I mean, this is the legendary stuff we want to hear more about, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah not. I just play played a couple round hands of cards. We're gonna go play eighteen holes. Ronick recalled Jordan saying, "We played a round. I beat him for a couple thousand and got ready to leave. Now the Bulls are playing that night. They played Cleveland that night. I'm thinking he's leaving at ten o'clock. He goes, "No, let's play again." Yeah. So we go and yeah. So it's ten a.m. We go and fill up a bag full of ice and Coors Light and walk again. We roll around another 18. So is he walking it or is, is he oh, got he's a not cart? Walking. I don't know. No, he's got a cart. Got, got to have a cart, right? Yeah. Um, and I take him for, an, for another couple thousand dollars. Now we're drinking all afternoon and he's going from Sunset Ridge to the stadium to play a game. That I'm messing around. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to call my bookie. All the money you just lost to me, I'm putting on Cleveland. This is what Ronick says. <laughs> He goes, I'll tell you what, I'll bet you that we'll win by 20 points and I'll have more than 40. I'm like, done. Son of the gun goes out and scores 52 and they win by 26 points or something. That is unbelievable. That is a mythic story. It's worth noting Ronick began the story by saying you probably shouldn't share it. <laughs> Those are always the best stories. I don't yeah. know if I should be telling you this. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my. That is good. Yeah, see if Ronick's uh, remotely accurate. 
Jeremy Roenick, an excellent quote at the 1998 Olympics, by the way, until the, the Americans like bombed out and then trashed their hotel rooms and we all had to rip them. All right. So checking this, I don't know if this story is true. I'm going to go with true because why the hell not? If Jeremy Roenick wants to say it's true. Uh, Never let truth get in the way of a good story, Dan. Don't you know the Yahoo free? Yeah, I, I'm good with that. They did play Cleveland in the 92 playoffs. So, I'm, I mean, it's got to be in the playoffs, right? Spring, it's May, it's Chicago. He scored 33 in the opener, and they won by 14. Uh, he scored 20, and they lost by 26 in the game two of that series. Uh, here's the one it might be. Game five, he scored, Jordan scores 37, and Cleveland wins by 23. Game five of what would be the Eastern Conference Finals. That story is unbelievable, if true. Yeah, oh boy. I mean, that is that is a whopper story, for sure. Yeah, that's better than anything we've got in the documentary. This is other what I want. The, other than the dude with the with the, the uh, mullet beating him in the quarter flip game, the security guard, yesterday. I thought that was kind of great. Okay, that was <laughs> awesome. And what happened yeah. to that guy? I want more of him and less of the random celebrities. Yeah. yeah. I don't care yeah. that Justin Timberlake wanted his shoe. Yeah. Uh, According to Estee Portnoy, the previously mentioned uh, manager for Michael Jordan, that guy, uh, the the security guard guy that he pitched quarters with, passed away in January. Ah, all right. I did think it was cool that Jordan had him at the Hall of Fame when he got in. Maybe Jordan brought him there to rip him like his high school coach. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's get to this truth. Most uh, terrifying thing over the weekend, the arrival of the murder hornet. <laughs> you guys heard about this? Oof. In Washington, Custer, Washington, the murder hornet has arrived. Uh, this is just God, what I, we need. I thought it was like a triple A baseball team's name or like one of those like minor league hockey. <laughs> the, uh, you know, the Hobbs, New Mexico murder hornet. <laughs> With queens that can grow two inches long, Asian giant hornets. They can, they're either called murder hornets or Asian giant hornets. I don't know if there's going to be a debate on, about on that this now. Podcast. They will always be murder hornets. I, murder <laughs> hornets is a better <laughs> Much term. Much more vivid. But yeah, it's probably turned into some political correct screaming match. Uh, they can use <laughs> mandibles shaped like spiked shark fins to wipe out a honeybee hive in a matter of hours, decapitating the bees and flying away with the thoraxes to feed their young. What the? It's like is... Edward Scissorhands at a paper factory. What the god dang is going on? <laughs> for... <laughs> now you say, I'm not a honeybee. Well, hey, we got something for you here. For larger targets, <laughs> the hornet's potent venom and stinger, long enough to punctuate a puncture a beekeeping suit, make for an excruciating combination that victims have likened to Hot metal driving into their skin. <laughs> this is the most scariest paragraph I have ever read in the New York Times. And they're this, here. They've come the to America. This is the one that stayed with me. It was like having red hot thumbtacks being driven into my flesh, said a man who was bitten. Red hot thumbtacks. Like, <laughs> what the hell? Look. People have turned to this podcast for a long time now for updates on all our animal threats. This one may be the biggest animal threat yet, and it's in America. We're not even making this up. We're not even taking some bogus, you know, bad news story. This was New York Times story. 
And they've come to America. Yet another thing just coming in to get us. 2020, not good. Not good at all. But now, yeah, the murder hornets are here on top of everything else. Watch out when you go outside. Don't let the pandemic distract you from the real threat. Yes. (laughs) These animals. Another reason to stay home. Did you see the video of the monkey on a scooter that tried to steal a baby? What? Was that no, like, no. Terrifying. Look that what? up. These animals, they get, they're getting chesty. We have to do something. <laughs> they're getting chesty. This coronavirus has us totally distracted. We will not lose focus here on the podcast. <laughs> these, uh, Watch these guys. We got to do something with this murder hornet. Yeah. Unbelievable. Need- I don't need that thing in my yard. I won't go outside. I can't go outside now. Then I won't be. Well, finally, this thing will end. They'll be like, yeah. well, there's a bunch of murder hornets in your backyard. Oh. <laughs> More Netflix? No. We've got some listeners in uh, the Pacific Northwest. We need them and in the West Coast. We need them to alert us on. We, we need murder hornet updates constantly. Step up things. and take care of these things. Yep. And then I'm still fascinated by this UFO thing that no one's talking about. <laughs> and you think I'm making up. Japan is now dialed up plans to handle this. These the UFO UFOs videos. Or the murder hornets? No, the, the UFOs. UFO, because once they saw the Pentagon's UFO videos, yeah. where clearly these things are flying around, like what? <laughs> Japan's defense ministry plans to draw protocols for potential encounters with UFOs. Really? The ministry will consider procedures to respond to, record, and report encounters, but the unknown nature of such objects may confuse self-defense Forces pilots, including those in F-15 fighter jets. I'm going to scramble the jets on these things. I, so can we send the murder hornets after the UFOs? <laughs> Maybe the UFOs can take them. Maybe. I don't know. I want to know what the UFO has to offer. What are these people? Co- who, who are these aliens? And what? Look, at, I'm going to say this. I am Team Earth. I am 100% <laughs> Team Earth. But you're, I, you're I mean, I got to look at the state of how things are going. We got this coronavirus thing. We got the murder hornets. We got some animal uprisings. I got people in my state carrying assault rifles into the state house. Yes, I think at this point, you have to at least be open to the transfer portal. You have to consider the transfer portal. And if the aliens got something to offer me, I'm not going to be like one of these college coaches saying, I'm committed to coaching Old State U next year. What do you mean? No one's even contacted me. I'll say this. I have not been contacted by an alien yet, (laughs) but I will listen. (laughs) Look out, Michigan, Earth. We we may be losing Dan Wetzel. Recruiting analysts rank us. Like, what what would be positive (laughs) things? Why would an alien want one of us and not another? Can can we think about that for a minute? Why would an alien want any of us, period? Yeah, they want, like, the best and brightest of America. I'd be like, we'll take, you know. Yeah. We'll take it. Simone Biles is your best athlete. We'll take her. <laughs> Dr. Fauci, you know, stuff like that. I'll be down on the list. <laughs> yeah, I'm no, not you're gonna... not you're not high on the list. No, probably you. not. Walk but on. But maybe a little bit of self-promotion and, and schmooze. You might I'm be willing able to, to work listen. yourself up. I'm willing to yeah. listen. You can and build yourself up. Podcast from a... can be downloaded in, in other orbits. Maybe yeah, that's why they're coming to listen. Yeah. You could build yourself from a three-star to a five-star uh, alien recruit. Possible. I'll give you a shot. I'm not going to. You can like fake the uh, fake the video like some of these recruits do, where it's not even you. 
could the aliens get uh, in front of the committee on infractions for trying to for trying to take Dan? You know, like <laughs> offer him illicit payments <laughs> to, to, to to change universes. This. Now, Dan, look, he Dan's come out and said that he will go. So I I, I can tell you this: we on the podcast, eh, we're not going to break our our backs to keep you. you know, if, if he wants to leave, if he wants to leave, we'll be like the administrators. You know, we can't keep him here if he wants to go. All right, so there we are. Uh, please subscribe to the pod. If you listen this long, share on social media. And uh, we'll be back later in the week with more. We continue to have lots of news to talk about. So if anybody else gets busted by the NCA feds, gumshoes, we'll be on it. Gentlemen, have a good rest of the week. Watch out for the murder hornets. I'm Mike Lizikoff, Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News. And I'm Dan Clydman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News. We're the hosts of Skullduggery, a podcast that not only breaks down the news, but also breaks news. We deliver authoritative analysis while drawing intriguing historical parallels from our decades of covering D.C. scandals. With our current focus on the president and his administration's handling of the coronavirus, to the 2020 elections, we interview those helping to shape the stories. So subscribe to and download Skullduggery wherever you listen to your podcasts and be sure to follow us on social media at Skullduggery Pod.